Welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia. And my name is Danny, and we are your co-hosts. This week is really exciting. This is our first true episode since all of our 1989 Taylor's Version Hype episodes, but it also kind of acts as an extension to that because today we're doing our Mental Cages series, but we're going to tackle Out of the Woods because why not? It just came out again. And not only that, it just came out and... I don't know if it's universally agreed upon, but it is between you and me that the Taylor's versions of Out of the Woods versions, one, not multiple, the Taylor's <laughs> version of Out of the Woods absolutely blew the original out of the water, which I didn't anticipate happening. I was pretty nervous about Out of the Woods. And then we heard it and we're like, whoa, production 10, vocals 10. This is great. She killed it. She has favorite children and Out of the Woods is one of them. Yeah, I thought the New Romantics was a favorite child too, though. And we all know how I feel about the New Romantics we record. I'm warming up to it, though. Solid middle child. So that's like, okay, you know? Yeah, I got the recognition for the 1989 (laughs) TV announcement. But like, that's that's New Romantics recognition for the next decade. So (laughs) before we hop into all the details of Out of the Woods and its critical reception, our thoughts and feelings about it, and of course, the lyrical analysis, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. So Out of the Woods originally came out on 1989, all the way back on October 27th, 2014, which most people know it's a very like peak 1989 pop synth track. But what a lot of people do not know is that it actually was released as a single on January 18th, 2016. And the reason I say that a lot of people don't know this was because we're having a quick timeline crossover here with the Kim Ye drama. There was so much happening in Taylor's world in the month after Out of the Woods was released as a single that... Taylor's songs were kind of pulled from radio play and not officially. It's not like she did anything bad, but people weren't calling and requesting Taylor Swift and people didn't want to hear Taylor Swift and bad blood, which had recently been like her, it was her most recent number one. It was huge in the summer of 2015 with Kendrick Lamar. Didn't matter. People didn't want to hear her singing about a feud when another feud was like actively happening. I'm not saying she didn't play at all. I'm just saying even I noticed at the time a dramatic shift of every fifth or sixth song being some form of a 1989 single on the radio to nothing. Yeah, I saw in my research that Out of the Woods only peaked at number 18 and never ranked higher on the Billboard Hot 100s, which is kind of wild. A shame because it is genuinely just such a good song. Yeah. So this song was produced by Jack Ansonoff. And when talking about the way that this song came together, it's one of my favorite stories because every time she writes a song, it has an entirely different story. And this one was literally that Jack Ansonoff had made the production, sent it to Taylor, and Taylor said that it was about 30 minutes from beginning to end of having every lyric written. And it is more or less the exact same today as it was in that 30-minute session when she recorded it and sent it back to Jack and said, let me know what you think. Isn't that crazy that he sent her the like full production track in perfection and she just wrote on top of it? <laughs> yeah. It's the first time that Taylor had ever written lyrics to an already existing track. This was a yeah. first for her, but she and Jack had just started collaborating post Sweeter Than Fiction. And so this was something she wanted to try out. And then she got into the recording studios, Conway Recording Studios in LA, and Max Martin produced her vocals to go right on top of it. And it just all came together just in the most insane, insane production and insane vocals. I found this quote of Taylor talking about what it was like to write on top of that track. And she said, 
it just kind of conjured up all of these feelings of anxiety that I had in a relationship where everybody was watching, everybody was commenting on it. You're constantly just feeling like, are we out of the woods yet? What's the next thing going to be? What's the next hurdle we're going to have to jump over? Are we going to make it to next week? It was interesting to write about a relationship where you're honestly just like, this is probably not going to last, but how long is it going to last? Those fragile relationships, it doesn't mean that it's not supposed to happen. The whole time we were having happy memories or crazy memories or ridiculously anxious times, in my head, I was just like, are we okay yet? Are we there yet? Are we out of this yet? Imagine sending somebody a song that you produced that you're really proud of, and they're like, yeah, it gave me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that's not what she's trying to say, but like, it is this very synthy, very repetitive, mm-hmm. very driving beat. And As we talked about in our last Mental Cages episode, The Archer, there's something about repetitive feelings and vocals and sounds that have two completely opposite meanings. And one is conjuring up anxiety and the other is self-soothing from anxiety. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that the repetitive nature of both the production and her vocals make you feel anxious and also somehow soothed by the anxiety that you're feeling. It's a very interesting feeling. Yeah. I have another quote kind of going into Taylor's mental space about this song, what she thinks this song is about. When she was promoting 1989, she kind of gave some short little snippets of what each song meant to her. And she said, Out of the Woods is one of my favorite songs on this album because one of the goals I set out to accomplish when I wanted to make this album is I wanted to make sure that these songs sounded exactly the way that these emotions felt when I felt them. This song is about the fragility and kind of breakable nature of some relationships. This was a relationship where I was kind of living day to day, wondering where it was going, if it was going to go anywhere, if it was going to end the next day. It was a relationship where you kind of never feel like you're standing on solid ground. And that kind of feeling brings on excitement, but also extreme anxiety and kind of a frantic feeling of wondering endless questions. And this song sounds exactly like that frantic feeling of anxiety and questioning, but it stresses that even if a relationship is breakable and fragile and full of anxiety, it doesn't mean that it isn't worthwhile, exciting, beautiful, and all of the things that we look for. It's so interesting to me that in every single interview that Taylor gave about Out of the Woods, it is the same motif repeated. And that makes sense because it's not like she's lying every time she talks to an interviewer to come up with a more intriguing story. But every (laughs) single time, it's like, I was anxious. I had anxiety about the relationship. I didn't know how long it was going to last. But that's still beautiful. Like the song. Yeah, she's like, it was still good, I swear. It's just, wow, that was (laughs) anxiety-inducing. I think that nostalgia second to the neck is mankind's greatest weakness and I think that when she looks back on that relationship it's so interesting to me that she sees the anxiety as beautiful because nostalgia tells her that was so beautiful and I look back on some of my past relationships where I was constantly anxious and I'm like but I learned so much and it was kind of magical and then I go read my journal and I'm like this sucked but I didn't make a number one album out of the anxiety of my relationships. She did. So I don't, I don't understand in some ways how she looks back and she's like, God, it was so beautiful. Yeah, that's a lovely way to look at it. But obviously the overwhelming emotion at the time and even thereafter was just, I'm so anxious. This Loki sucks. I always interpret it as there are those anxiety inducing moments that are bad, but there's a reason why you're in that relationship and it's those glimpses of like how good it could be. And I think that she kind of takes on the mindset of despite the bad things, the good things were good. 
but overall it was bad and that's okay. Like it's okay to consider those good moments to be good, even though it ended up sucking. And I think that's probably the correct take. I think that's probably what it is that she is saying. She is just stronger than me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really guilty of romanticizing. So this speaks to me. Got it. See, that makes sense because that's something that Taylor and I don't necessarily have in common. I think we might have when I was younger. Like I think about this maybe year and a half, two year long situationship thing that I had going on freshman and sophomore year of college. And I romanticized it in the moment, which is why I felt so crazy because things would happen with this guy and I'd be like, oh God, this feels so good. This is so normal. And then in retrospect, I was just heartbroken. And then once we got even into further retrospect, I was like, damn, he just kind of sucked. So I don't romanticize (laughs) as I like get further away. I romanticize it in the moment and then try to leave it at that. Yeah, I have an interesting point later on in the lyrics that I feel like will be interesting to break down. And I wonder if you happen to see it too, given, you know, our differences and like looking back on relationships and stuff. So I'm excited to get to it. Okay, cool. Well, with that, let's jump into the lyrics. You want to kick us off? Yeah. So first verse, she opens up with looking at it now. It all seems so simple. We were lying on your couch. I remember. I think one of my favorite things about this particular lyric is that I was a a One Direction stan from like Mm -hmm. 2011 to like 2015, really, really into my Directioner phase. And I'm bringing this up because at the time, there was nothing calm, nothing soothing about her relationship with Harry Styles on the outside. It was high profile. People bombarded them all the time. She was constantly Mm -hmm. criticized. And so the second line of the song being like, it all seems so simple. It's so mundane. We were just lying on your couch. And from the outside, it was a shit show. And I feel like when she opens it with looking at it now, it kind of establishes the point of view of the song as she's looking back on it. And And despite like all the crazy high profile, everything, the comments from everything, the crazy fans swarming them and harassing them, looking back on it when she picks out these specific good moments, it did feel simple. They were just lying on the couch. There are two people who liked each other and it was probably easy to get wrapped up in the negative in the moment. But looking back, it was simple because they both liked each other and that's all it was. So a few lyric parallels I want to draw right here. And is it over now when she laid down on your couch? I know that's probably sexual. Like, I think that that's the avenue she's trying (laughs) to take it. But imagine a very PG version of Taylor and we believe Harry Styles. So for lack of something better, like I said, I'm going to refer to it as Harry. She and Harry having just intimate moments laying on their couch that are non-sexual. And then another girl takes Taylor's spot and is just having those intimate close moments laying on his couch with him. I like that. I like that parallel a lot. Also, this song, especially in the beginning with this whole looking at it now, is all seems so simple. We go to a couple other 1989 tracks that tell a different story because I Know Places is in the moment and it's all about how all of the media attention contributes to things being rocky in their relationship. However, Wonderland, which also references things being mm-hmm. rocky in their relationship because of the flashing lights and all of the media attention, that's very after the fact, like Out of the Woods. It's retrospective, but it's a different take on the retrospection because Out of the Woods is like, it was all so simple. And Wonderland was like, it was crazy and we went mad. Yep. 
<laughs> it's like the two sides of the relationship is the private intimate moments and those public crazy moments and is one or the other worth it wonderland and out of the woods are two songs that i would have never paired up with one another but it's like having nostalgia and having retrospect on the same relationship but wonderland it's during the day when you're having drinks with your friends and out of the woods is at night when you're reading your diary yeah and like panicking <laughs> and then her ending that four line verse with i remember seems to me almost like a self-assurance like despite the crazy nature of like i know places wonderland she remembers these good moments and it kind of gives me i remember or i remember it all too well these bad things can't make me forget that there was actually good there underneath everything it's interesting to me how many songs on 1989 deal with like remembering like clean as retrospective and this love while written in october of 2012 is almost like a I watched you leave. Like, I remember that. And I wish you would come back. I'm remembering things. Like, so much of 1989 is built on nostalgia, which is ironic because it is an 80s nostalgia album. But yeah, she really romanticizes remembering things and how that memory changes her. I feel like I get that because, like, if I look back on my past relationships where, you know, he broke up with me, it felt like he didn't remember the good things, but that's all I could remember. And so... I don't know. It's just does such a great job of making it poetic. <laughs> yeah. That you know of, at least. Yeah. I mean, older me is like, I know you don't forget those things. I know that you remember them. But like in the moment, it doesn't feel like it. So true. So yeah. that set of lines, you took a Polaroid of us, then discovered and discovered the rest of the world was black and white, but we were in screaming color. This is such a cool image that she creates of them taking the Polaroid of themselves and looking at it and realizing, to me, how in love that they were. <laughs> yeah, I felt this way for a while, but I feel like Taylor, when she was in the relationship with Harry Styles, knew deep down that it wasn't going to last for all of it, for mm -hmm. whatever reason, for his age, for their schedules, for her kind of being heartbroken still. The Red Arrow was tough on her. I don't know, but I think she knew it was, wasn't going to last. So I've always felt like she uses Polaroids and taking photos to capture that moment because she knew that the moment was going to end. And I feel like we were in screaming color, like the word screaming kind of foreshadows the intensity to come. Also, of course, the Polaroid reference. We know that Polaroids are a big part of the 1989 aesthetic. And I think if this song is about Harry Styles, which I know Olivia believes this is the most Harry Stylesy song of all Harry Styles songs, <laughs> yes. <and> I agree. <laughs> I think that so much of this album was inspired by Harry, and I can't wait for us to talk about that later. But this song really envelops 1989 in so many ways. And as we go through it, we'll see that more and more and more. But not only is it one of Taylor's favorite songs on the album that she has said, and it is one of her favorite children, it really encompasses 1989. I really like this song. Also, I mentioned this to you the other day, Olivia. I cannot believe I didn't catch this. We have talked at length, maybe not on the podcast, but personally, about who the song The Very First Night on Red is about. And again, who the songs are about. I always have to make this disclaimer. It matters so much less than the art that is created. But if knowing the lore matters to you, and if you're here, there's a chance that knowing the lore matters to you, it's worth mentioning the lore. In The Very First Night, there are the lyrics... Didn't read the note on the Polaroid picture. They don't know how much I miss you. And I think The Very First Night is very possibly about Harry Styles. It was such a positive, happy song, October of 2012, when things were still pretty positive and happy between them, even though they were kind of back and forth and not public yet. From what we believe, I think it's possible. 
The very first night is one of those songs that she doesn't put enough specific metaphors about one relationship or the other. There's like almost like a theme of different tiny things about different relationships. Like I can see the potential Harry Styles references, but I can also see the potential Jake Gyllenhaal references. And I'm a big question mark over here. I have no idea. (laughs) And I can't even say that Polaroids are necessarily a motif for Harry because we get all the way up to New Year's Day and Reputation where Mm. candle wax and Polaroids on the hardwood floor. And of course, we know that that song is not about Harry Styles. No, fairly confidently, we technically have not done the Joe Alwyn deep dive on this podcast. (laughs) So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it'd be it'd be crazy for her to end reputation on a song that was about anyone other than Joe Alwyn. So no, I will not subscribe to that theory. But technically, yeah. since we have not covered it, I have to throw in that disclaimer. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And bear with me. The chorus is extremely repetitive if you've ever listened to this song. So we're just going to read it. And I remember thinking, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? In the clear yet? Good. Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? In the clear yet? Good. Are we out of the woods? When we had our mental cages, the Archer episode, we talk about how in the bridge, when she repeats, they see right through me, they see right through, that feeling evokes anxiety and almost feels like you're having an anxiety attack upon listening and that that is the point of the song and the reason that out of the woods for me feels a little bit different is because out of the woods she keeps that same cadence the same power through it it's almost like having that moment of already at the peak of what an anxiety attack would be and then are we out of the woods are we in the clear yet good that's almost the breaking it moment but again i don't liken this song to an anxiety attack the way that i do the archer but i I do liken it to, I don't know, being drunk in a bathroom and looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, oh my God, and repeating the same thing over and over and over again with the same anxiety and same excitement. I kind of think of, (laughs) might be outing both of us here a little bit. We had a conversation with my boyfriend over this past weekend about how, you know, we both tend to overthink things and need reassurance and therefore we'll ask the same question in different ways multiple times in a row to our boyfriends in the middle of the night when they're trying to go to sleep and they get annoyed with us because they're like i'm just trying to sleep i swear i love you i want to be with you but just go to sleep (laughs) and we're over here like do you like me what do you like about me do do you love me what what do you love about me because like i think i can be mean sometimes so like what do you like about me and that's what (laughs) i take this to be she's asking the same thing in different ways over and over but she's in my opinion i don't think she's asking any of these questions out loud which is what causes the spiral oh yeah totally this is all in her head because she talked about in one of the quotes you gave about always wondering when the next shoe is going to drop like what is going to happen next what's the next obstacle and of course being out of the woods is being out of a dangerous situation that's what the phrase means obviously very very popularized by taylor after this but Mm -hmm. Even if the listener of the song knows that there is no getting out of the woods, Taylor, her character that she's singing herself, but her character, singing Are We Out of the Woods over and over again as like the hope that maybe we'll be out of the woods soon. Is this it? Are we done with the obstacles? And there's a false hope that things are going to last. And the listener, if you're listening to this and you don't know any Taylor Swift lore, you're listening and you're like, no, 
There's no way a relationship where you're constantly wondering if you're going to step on an eggshell will really last. And there's a difference in that and like all relationships, because I feel like once you get comfortable enough with someone, you feel more okay asking those questions out loud. You Mm -hmm. feel okay saying, do you like me as much as you love me? And if you're in a relationship that's rocky, you're not going to ask that question. No, because you feel like the answer is going to be, no, I actually don't like you at all. (laughs) No, I wouldn't ask my boyfriend, Matt, like, would you love me if I were a worm? If I thought his answer was going to be no, I'd burn you on the sidewalk with a magnifying glass. I wouldn't ask. (laughs) And I feel like there's something, there's like a nuance in this situation in Out of the Woods of it's, it almost feels like it's that beginning part of a relationship that even if you both feel the same way, you're questioning it. Because you guys are both questioning it. You both don't know if you feel the same way. And you don't want to be the first one to seem crazy and reveal your feelings and your hopes for the relationship that's starting. Also, I saw somebody say online that the clear is a pun. Because if you exit the woods, you're exiting into a clearing. Mm -hmm. But are we in the clear yet is a common phrase for out of trouble or danger. But also. Oh, that's fun. Mm Also. When I listen to the Out of the Woods chorus, I like the idea of when she says, are we in the clear yet? Good. And she takes this breath and she's like, oh, everything's fine. And then like a devil version of her popping up from behind her and going, are we out of the woods? And then she's back in it again. Like, it's good. It's done. And then another version of her shows up and is like, "Mm -mm. not yet. Not yet, girl. Sometimes I wonder if I'm just putting my thoughts and feelings on Taylor Swift songs that don't exist. But that feels so intentional to me that like the good, she's free. And then a voice inside of her asking in a much softer tone, are we out of the woods? Yeah, it's like the each time in the chorus when she says good, she's trying to break out of the repetitive overthinking. And then she overthinks again (laughs) at the very end of the chorus. So relatable. I do not miss the like beginning stage of a relationship where you feel confidently in love with them, but you haven't communicated that yet. And you think that'll scare them away. (laughs) I don't either, you know, and talking about things that we miss or don't miss about beginning stages of relationships that I think are fun and interesting to watch. We'll use Travis and Taylor as an example right now. Those beginning stages of like flirtiness to you're not in love yet. They're not in love yet. Things are fun. It's cool. And then you get a few months in, we're getting to the point where Travis and Taylor would be at that point of like, the, so how for real, for real, like, <laughs> like I, I miss those beginning stages of, oh, things are so cool. Like, what could this be? And then everything in between that and solid ground, I hate. Yeah. And I feel like no matter how healthy your relationship is, you do have a certain level of this experience or at least most people that I've talked to have had this experience before, even if it isn't a crazy whirlwind of an on-again, off-again thing, this still exists in my relationship. Not like currently, it existed in my relationship as we were figuring out exactly where we were going. There's a solid eight months of us figuring out where we were going. And sometimes that happens, mm-hmm. which by the way, step aside real quick. I did see at Travis's press conference with the Chiefs in Germany when a reporter went, way out of pocket and asked, are you in love with Taylor? And he (laughs) responded, I'm going to keep my personal relationship personal. Thank you. Like, first of all, what a good answer. And second of all, I saw someone online say, (laughs) I don't know if I'll cut this out. I saw someone online say, damn, anything's fine. Nothing's off limits. Why don't you just ask him if he goes in raw? Jesus, let him have his relationship. He gave him like an inch. They led with, did you see Taylor recently? He's like, yeah, I saw her last week. It was nice. Do you love her yet? 
Oh my God. That's what my brain says at the beginning of relationships. So, you know, he's going through this anyway. It's like, yeah, I just saw Matt last week. It was great. And then that little voice in my head, are you in love with him? Like to keep my personal life personal. <laughs> the reporters are just embodying <laughs> anxious thoughts. <laughs> he's so good. Oh okay. God. All right. So we open up verse two with looking at it now, last December, last December, we were built to fall apart, then fall back together, back together have to do the backing vocals of course wonderful so last december i think really puts the time stamp on this guy taylor and harry broke up early january 2013 so i think this line is a reference to their last good ish moments in their relationship it's like the peak of their relationship and it really was from again a heavy direction or standpoint it was hard to deny how happy harry looked most of the time he wasn't happy about the paparazzi and so the photos taken of him were often misinterpreted i believe to be oh he hates taylor this is a pr relationship he's dating louis tomlinson whatever was happening i think mm -hmm. that it was he didn't like all the public eye on him when he'd had a crush on taylor so for a long time he said in like 2009 his celebrity crush was taylor swift i think that December was like the it time because it was the first time that they went fully public with a relationship that we believe had been on again, off again for much longer than people believe. And that the yeah. media in big part did ruin it. And then the lines we were built to fall apart and then fall back together. Immediately my brain thinks of two things. One, Taylor described style as being about someone who you're on and off with and can't tell if you are ever really over for good to the point where you're borderline concerned that they may interrupt your wedding one day to object. This in combination with these lyrics also makes me think of this love that these hands had to let it go free and this love came back to me. This feels like a common theme in her songs about Harry Styles. Also, we did the Muses Harry Styles a long time ago, back in season one. And, you know, we've got some stuff to unpack, but there is some evidence that maybe Taylor and Harry continued seeing one another after January of 2013 when they had their official split. If that's true, if they were still seeing one another months later after their official very public split, it would make sense the lyrics Last December, we were built to fall apart, then fall back together. There's just so much hope from Taylor in this point in time. From an outsider perspective, there seems to be so much hope that, you know, this could continue to happen forever. And then one day we'll just decide that we're right for one another. And I've been in a relationship like that where it was so off again, mm -hmm. on again for so long that for the longest, years after he and I hadn't seen each other again, I still had a thought of, one day, what if I see him at a wedding and we hook up? I've had that thought. And then I met Matt and the rest is history. But like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, my high school boyfriend and I were on and off several times before I called it quits for good. But the last time I talked to him was like several years ago. But he had said to me, you know, I really think if we, you know, tried again, we could make it work this time. And so <laughs> there's definitely like, I feel like a lot of people experience that on again, off again. Is it over? I mean, it's over for me, but like typically those are one-sided. <laughs> yeah. You can't have the on and off without one person really wanting to be off. 
<laughs> exactly. That's the best way to put it. Like when my relationship that I was like, the, the one that I was talking about, I was like, he probably feels this too. No, he didn't. Because the year after I broke up with a guy, because it was just a summer romance, wasn't going to work. He texted me this big, long thing about how one time I said, sometimes people meet the right person at the wrong time. And he was so sure that that was me. And he sees how great I'm doing. And he just thinks that one day we'll be together again. And I felt so mean, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta let this guy go. So I was like, that's great. We will never date again. Which is so me. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> but for real, like, it's not his fault. It was super sweet. But the way you put it is the best way to put it. You can't be on again, off again, unless somebody wants to be off again. I think there are exceptions to every thought and rule. There are, of course, exceptions. You just have to be very, very self-aware and aware of the situation. Every situation is its own situation. But I think that, like, why would you want to be with somebody who would not want to be with you sometimes? Why would you want to be with somebody that you don't want to be with sometimes when you could just be with somebody that you always want to be with? I do want to make one last point before we move on to the next line. We're going back Mm -hmm. to the very first night. Ah, Because she has the lyrics, back then we didn't know we were built to fall apart. And she has, we were able to fall apart and fall back together on this one. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say. Do you think she goes back to December all the time? <laughs> <sighs> no, but <laughs> I appreciate that connection. Um, we would not be Swifties if we didn't point that out, but I don't think that's significant. <laughs> no, it's not significant at all. It just happens in December. She can't designate her breakups and her splits and good relationship moments to different months. She can't be like, sorry, can't end this yet. It's not March. Yeah, like she's had multiple breakups in December. It's the opposite of cuffing season. <laughs> Uncuffing <laughs> season. <laughs> the lyrics go on to, ooh, your necklace hanging from my neck the night we couldn't quite forget when we decided to move the furniture so we could dance. Baby, like we stood a chance. Two paper airplanes flying, flying, flying. And I remember thinking, I know that was a lot. But it all went hand in hand, so we got to unpack, and let's start with the damn necklace. Yes. Harry Styles wore a paper airplane necklace. It was kind of his thing. Hell, I've got two paper airplanes tattooed on my back now, and <laughs> most of that's Taylor Swift, but part of that is, you know, One Direction and Harry Styles in particular had a big impact on me growing up. He loves that paper airplane necklace, and there was absolutely symbolism for it at some point that I definitely knew then and don't remember now. Or Directioners just made one up, which is entirely possible as well. But he wore it nearly every single day. And this is the necklace that she's probably referring to because in the music video for Style, you see that paper airplane necklace. Didn't she also wear it publicly? Yes. Yeah. Also that. Yes. She wore the paper airplane necklace publicly. In terms of her songs, she did choose to wear it during the music video for Style. Yeah, I feel like that is just so on the nose. (laughs) Maybe if she didn't have the paper airplane reference later, I could see other angles of your necklace hanging from my neck. It's not uncommon if your boyfriend is wearing jewelry that you want to wear it, just like you want to wear their hoodie with their name on it. Like, I get it. But I, I feel like she called it out specifically with two paper airplanes flying. Oh, I completely agree. And in the Out of the Woods music video, she doesn't wear the paper airplane necklace that she does in style and did in real life, but she does wear a silver necklace, which represents something because, and we'll do analysis of the Out of the Woods music video at some point on this podcast. Yeah. But when she pulls it off, things go really sour for her in the music video. That's some symbolism yeah. there. Again, it's not the paper airplane necklace, but it doesn't have to be. We already know. We know. Also worth noting that in Run with Ed Sheeran from Red, there is the lyric, there's a chain around your throat, piece of paper where I wrote, I'll wait for you. I'm not saying that's a tie, 
I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying Run is a really beautiful song. And Ed Sheeran was friends with Harry Styles. And piece of paper. That line is a little sus. It's a little sus. I just, it's worth throwing out there. And then the other part of these lines, um, we moved the furniture so we could dance. This is another memory in private. They're moving the furniture inside of an apartment. This is a good time. And <laughs> kind of similar to like lying on the couch. Baby, like we stood a chance. They felt like they could have a successful relationship when they were creating these memories in private versus out in public. They didn't feel like they could stand a chance. Taylor has this appreciation for using the word dance as almost a word to mean relationships. And she's done it in other songs. I'm dancing on my own from Shake It Off, but I don't want to dance if I'm not dancing with you in Holy Ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dancing with our hands tied. In Happiness, she sings, I was dancing when the music stopped. Dancing is such a metaphor for her. And I'm not saying that they didn't literally move the furniture to dance, but when she goes into move the furniture so we could dance, baby, like we stood a chance. That's to me very much feeling like The dancing was the metaphor for the relationship or we were moving things around to make this work. Maybe they did literally move furniture, but maybe they were just. There's also a double metaphor there. Yeah. Shifting things in their life to see if it would work. Trying to make room for each other in their lives. Let's be real. Like they were two young adult pop stars that had very busy lives. Both of them had very busy lives. And I bet it was difficult to force those lives to work in tandem, especially given the nature of the two fandoms. And the next line, two paper airplanes flying, flying, flying. Of course, we just talked about the paper airplane symbolism with the necklace. But also I saw somebody point out online, the paper airplanes are disposable. You toss them, And that's kind of it. And so the relationship was a throwaway relationship. We were never going to fly the same way. Airplanes never fly in the same direction. They all go different directions before they eventually crash. And then there's nothing else that you can do with them. Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Are we out of the woods? (laughs) We're just back to the chorus. And I don't think that there's really any major differences with the chorus. There's obviously no lyrical differences. But Mm -hmm. at the end of this particular chorus, the production shifts into the sound of the bridge. So when the little back voice we talked about earlier, the little siren going, are we out of the woods? The drums pick up and it builds up this feeling of anxiety. Like you're running into the bridge to break the tension. I love the feeling that I get when I listen to the production at the end of that second chorus. Same. All right, we are in the the most... We're doing it. (laughs) We're doing some tea. We're spilling some tea. We got to talk about it. We're at the bridge, and this is arguably one of the best bridges that maybe she's ever written, and it's also so incredibly personal. Yeah. Remember when you hit the brakes too soon, 20 stitches in the hospital room, when you started crying, baby, I did too, but when the sun came up, I was looking at you. There's so much to unpack. Like, I'm looking at my notes and I have like a half page of notes written about just these four lines. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much here. And I feel like there's a lot of double meanings. There are a lot of double meanings. No one knew at the time in December of 2012 that Harry Styles and Taylor Swift had gotten into a snowmobile accident. And I was, like I said, just the directioner. I was painting photos of Harry Styles for art shows. I didn't know. No one knew. We knew something happened to him because there was photos of him with a little pat on his chin and he tweeted chin chin again chin chin again the day after the accident but we wouldn't know that until much later. In December of 2012, Harry Styles, Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber went on a double date 
to Park City, Utah, where they skied and aware they got into a snowmobile accident, Taylor and Harry specifically. It ended up with them in the hospital. And Taylor speaks about this later when people ask, how did you keep this such a secret? Because it was very well under wraps. Taylor yeah. said, you know what I found works better than an NDA? Looking someone in the eyes and saying, please don't tell anybody about this. And that was a really effective method because people didn't really know what happened until September of 2014 when in an interview with Rolling Stone, Taylor confessed that she did have a snowmobile accident with a partner who she did not name. But she said, quote, people think they know the whole narrative of my life. I think maybe that line is there to remind people that there are really big things they don't know about, which is totally fair because the accident was on December 22nd, 2012, and that was at the peak of their popularity. Yeah. Also, I saw pointed out online that it's super fun that the phrase in the clear is something doctors will tell you. Are we in the clear yet? Anyway, doesn't matter. So it was definitely a life flashing before eyes moment from what we can tell. I don't know a whole lot about how the actual accident went down. No one does. There's a couple of pictures, but they're not great. It just seems like they got into an accident and it either almost killed them or almost killed somebody else. We'll deep dive the snowmobile accident in another episode, which we'll talk about soon. Or even if it was just scary, you know, like a scary experience to go through with somebody. Because I I feel like the story that she's telling right here, right now, remember when you hit the brakes too soon, 20 stitches in the hospital room, of course, tells the story about this incident that happens. But I feel like it also has a double meaning. Hit the brakes too soon. We have the actual event with the snowmobile and possibly doing something that that abruptly ended the relationship. Like her wanting to leave him wasn't one-sided. There's a reason why she wanted to leave him ultimately at the end, whether that was something he said or his behavior or something. 20 stitches in the hospital room. We have the actual event and repairing the emotional damage in the aftermath of the relationship. It can kind of be seen, I think, at least in the song, several ways and when you started crying I did too kind of exhibits like the aftermath of the accident and feeling bad about what happened versus this moment that they realized they both deeply cared about each other despite the anxiety that she felt about whether or not her feelings were reciprocated absolutely and I hear when the sun came up I was looking at you I literally imagine them in a hospital he's asleep he's got the stitches and she's just sitting up watching him all night to make sure he's okay because she's empathetic and because she cares about him I have a different image. I like that image, though. So my image is, it kind of goes hand in hand with the rest of the bridge, too. So, like, I'm probably going to break it down throughout all of that. But I picture, like, eye contact and, like, a moment of realization between them. Mm -hmm. And when the sun came up, for me, implies that they had been running through the woods in the dark. And that's why it was so difficult to find a way out because the path wasn't clear. They couldn't see very well and it seemed hopeless and terrifying. But when the sun came up, there was a lot more like clarity and realization between them in this moment. And I found a lot of dark themed parallels on 1989. So in I Wish You Would, she says, 2 a.m., here we are. See your face, hear my voice in the dark and say, don't go. Why do you whisper in the dark just to leave me in the night? And my favorite, also from Say Don't Go, we're a shot in the darkest dark. And earlier in the Out of the Woods, she says, like we stood a chance. It just feels like to me, it's just further emphasizing that she never thought they'd get out of the woods because they didn't really have a shot. It was pitch black out in the woods. How are they going to get out of this together? They weren't going to find their way out. I like that. 
And like when the sun comes up, they both finally express their emotions to each other one way or the other. I don't think it was verbally. And things seemed more clear in that moment. But they, spoiler alert, were not out of the woods yet. But in this moment, it seemed to make sense. Kind of like looking at it now, it all seems so simple. I think that's a great take. The next set of lyrics, remember when we couldn't take the heat. I walked out. I said, I'm setting you free. But the monsters turned out to be just trees. When the sun came up, you were looking at me. Of course, when we're talking about them not being able to take the heat, the media was so in their faces. Like, we knew that they were on this ski trip, but we didn't know what happened on this ski trip. Yeah, Everyone knew what they thought was everything, and that was really tough between them. As far as not being able to take the heat and her walking out and saying, I'm setting you free, there's not a whole lot of, like, photo evidence of what happened between them. But at this point, it is presumed that she got onto a boat to get away from him when they split and that's the blue dress on a boat in the british virgin islands we talk about that all the way back in the harry styles episode mm-hmm. and then she later would reference it and is it over now and then he's quote unquote free to go hang out with business magnates on their <laughs> mega yachts with important men who think important thoughts <laughs> from now that we don't talk and like couldn't take the heat I feel like everything is a double meaning. Like there's the pressure from the press and the people looking in on their relationship in the public eye. And could it also mean just the intensity of their relationship? Could he handle his feelings for her at the ripe age of 19, 18, 19? I feel like, especially with young men, it's jarring for them when they realize they love somebody so young. I've had people break up with me when we were young because we were too young to have such a relationship where we love each other so much. I I wish I met you when we were like 30. (laughs) I literally have had a boy say that to me when we were 19. It's like, I'm breaking up with you because I'm not ready for this now. Um, I wish I met you when we were older. Easy thing to say to someone. And then her, I walked out. I said, I'm setting you free. Like, I said, we don't know entirely for sure how things went down, but it is implied that she was the one who left him. And then in Say Don't Go, we hear that I would stay forever if you say don't go. So we can assume as best we can that she left and got on the Flying Ray boat so she could ride back to the island. And if he had just said, don't leave, don't do this, after she said, I'm setting you free, or however she actually said it, it might have changed things. Yeah. And like the idea of, I said, I'm setting you free. So I always like think to the Jonas Brothers and how I know a lot about their relationships when they were a boy band as teenagers. And I remember that their management like didn't allow them to have public relationships because they were supposed to seem borderline available to their fanatic teenage fans as like a dateable option when they sing a love song they want those young girls to be feeling like those boys are singing directly to them because that's their brand they're a heartthrob boy band you know taylor experienced that dating joe jonas that they couldn't see each other publicly and with harry she was able to see him publicly but the backlash from the fandom was extreme and like I'm setting you free like you don't have to be with me or be associated with me if like everyone hates that like go <laughs> and she did she got got a lot of hate from directioners at the time as a whole mm-hmm. also the but the monsters turned out to be just trees I feel like is a really simple but beautiful metaphor about how there was this idea that all of the things that were really really bad in their relationship actually weren't that bad at all They were really no big deal in the end, but that was a retrospective feeling. I feel like 
it was kind of feeling in the moment when the sun came up in this one glimmer of potential in this relationship, everything seemed to not matter because at the end of everything, they were looking at each other. And I think the idea of looking at each other like represented more like they felt closer to each other or whatever. I feel like in the first part of the bridge, she lists off like a bunch of like bad things he does. But at the end of that, she's looking at him. And then in this one, she's listing off bad things she did she walked out she said I'm setting you free but he's looking at her and like no matter what bad things happen in this moment at least they're together and they've got each other's bags literally so beautiful and so well said and that's the breaking point sonically in the bridge the you were looking at me and then she repeats it you were looking at me oh you were looking at me that is when that anxiety and that tension the surface tension here on this song breaks and then we get jack antonoff's voice in the background doing the are we out of the woods yet are we out of the woods yet and i like the idea that it's a man's voice not just because it's jack antonoff and it's her friend and he produced it but that it's a man's voice because it's supposed to be Jack playing the character of the guy while he's looking at her having that same feeling are we out of the woods yet are we out of the woods yet I full-heartedly agree with that especially like the emphasis of you were looking at me you were looking at me you were looking at me and it's another inner monologue and I think it just further backs up that I think Taylor believes that they both had the same extreme passionate feelings for each other and wanted it to work but they had the same anxieties that they just didn't communicate to each other so I think that the ending of the story and the song at least just the song's arc implies that while they were both anxious about where the relationship was going and despite that when the sun came up in this moment they could clearly see the feelings they had for each other I don't think they ultimately communicated those feelings to each other, especially since the rest of the song is just a slip back into the inner monologue. They had this moment of clarity when shit got a little real. They crashed a snowmobile. They felt like they almost died and they could have lost each other or like no matter how dramatic or truly dramatic it was in the moment, we don't know we weren't there, but they had this moment of clarity. And despite that moment of clarity, they couldn't confess their feelings to each other. And I feel like, this is a theme on 1989 in the love songs. So we have, I wish you would with, because you still don't know what I never said. I wish you would come back. Wish I'd never hung up the phone like I did. I wish you knew that I'd never forget you as long as I live. She wishes those things because she didn't say them ultimately, but she wishes that he knew it. But if she had said it, he'd know it, but she didn't. And in Say Don't Go, I'm holding out hope for you to say don't go. I would stay forever if you say don't go. She also didn't communicate that. And I feel like a lot of their relationship probably would have benefited from a little bit of communication. I like the touch of Taylor singing out I Remember on top of like the male song out of the woods chorus of, oh, I remember. It kind of gives me this feeling that she's just emotionally expressing like, I remember when we made eye contact that day and I saw the look in your eye. I know that it was good underneath all the bullshit. I remember, I remember, I remember. I think that's probably right. I think that so much of this song is that internal monologue. It's like a devil and angel situation for me because the devil is on the shoulder being like, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? And the angel is like, I remember. I remember when the sun came up, I was looking at you. And I remember we couldn't take the heat or whatever. But it's almost like she's got the good memories fighting with the bad anxiously together. And I feel like there's kind of um, a less spoken about metaphor here in the song of when the sun came up, I was looking at you. 
the monsters turned out to be just trees when the sun came up. And to me, that implies, like I said earlier, that the out of the woods course takes place like the picture I get is she's frantically running through the woods in the dark. But when the sun comes up, it has to go back down. And I feel like the verses are the daytime when she can see clearly the good and simplicity of their love and relationship and the good places where it's going. And then the sun sets and it's dark again, but she doesn't have that reassurance from him to get through the night without these like panic struggles. And then the sun comes up again and she has another good verse. It goes down again. It's nighttime. Another anxiety chorus. And a kind of a breakthrough morning where they both kind of realize it. But then the sun sets again and we end in the middle of the night. We get this massive chorus, massively repetitive chorus with, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Yeah, good. Woo. And the background vocals, we have like, ah, ah, ah. Oh, which also adds an anxiety. Um, do you remember? Say, are we? We've got so much layered on top of all of it. And then finally, the anxiety breaks with the last good and the song is over. But this last chorus is just the epitome of feeling wildly anxious. Again, I wouldn't liken it to an anxiety attack the way I would the bridge and the archer, but I would absolutely liken it to feeling really, really anxious. And then just a deep breath happening at the very yeah. end releasing the breath and taylor loves to relate the secret message of clean to the song which is she lost him and found herself and somehow that was beautiful or so it was something like that it's not verbatim yeah and i feel like she sees the relationship she had here as worthwhile in the end like they had good moments and she learned a lot about herself and that's ultimately what's important The secret message on Out of the Woods was they loved each other recklessly. And if you haven't been following along, secret messages are a thing that Taylor would put on her albums prior to Reputation, where she would Mm -hmm. hint at what the song's meaning kind of was or what inspired it. And hers was they loved each other recklessly, which, again, retrospect, kind of funny, recklessly. They got into a wreck. Mm -hmm. It's bad. But also just they loved each other without, not only without reason, we loved without reason, but also in the face of everything that was attacking them, they just didn't care. And they did all these things. And they went out and about knowing that it wasn't being well-received by fans and by the public. And yeah. it didn't matter on the outside. But on the inside, it was the constant, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Mm-hmm. We know that the way that the media perceived her in 2012 must have bothered her. But at yeah. the time, again, I was so engrossed in this relationship when I was 16. At the time, <laughs> it didn't look like she was really that bothered. With the occasional photo where you could see a tear in her eye, maybe when people pushed her out of the way. Yeah. But overall it looked like she didn't care that girl cared she's good at suppressing like her feelings in the moment and the secret message for this song in particular being we loved each other recklessly like yeah they got into a snowmobile accident it can be taken literally and emotionally i just oh, i love her double meanings oh my gosh but the vibe i got from this song was also like they both clearly loved each other but they wouldn't take care of each other they wouldn't comfort each other through these things they wouldn't reassure each other through these things but they both really loved each other i said it before and i'll say it again you need more than love in a successful relationship you can love someone as much as you're physically able to 
but it doesn't mean they're the right person for you because you need more than love. 100% true. And I feel like this is really common in younger relationships, people between the ages of like 16 to like about 24. I think it's really, really common to find yourself in this type of relationship where you're still trying to figure out how to love yourself. How are you going to effectively love and care for somebody else? That's Mm -hmm. not to say that those young relationships cannot be successful or cannot get there, but this is a really common feeling of where was Harry in thinking about her feelings? Oh, wait, he wasn't because he was a kid yeah and so was she in the grand scheme of things they were young adults in the most literal sense they couldn't do this this relationship was not built to last and hey like you said earlier maybe if they'd met when they were 30 or something (laughs) well she's older but like you know what I mean things might have been different but they're not different because that relationship wasn't built to last it just wasn't no and they tried their best Taylor loves this song so much because not only was it a single eventually, unfortunately, right before her quote unquote downfall, but it was also a promotional single for 1989 coming out on October 13th, 2014. And she even gave 15 seconds of it to Good Morning America to play. And she herself even said that it was the song that most accurately or best represented 1989. She loves this song and everything it stands for. And I really think it is some of the best work that she's ever done. Yeah, I love this song a lot. I feel like sometimes I overlook it because it was a single, but I think it's up there in some of my favorites on 1989 for sure. I lied isn't the right word, but I lied. I lied. Because back when we were talking (laughs) in the draft episode, I completely forgot to mention Out of the Woods was one of those songs that just gutted me out the gate when I first listened to 1989 and I talk about how much I really liked welcome to New York actually, and how new romantics did it for me, but out of the woods, I don't know how I haven't talked more about that song because it's not just now that we're doing an analysis of it. I remember playing that at like parties with people that I knew didn't like Taylor Swift. Didn't matter. That song was going to be played. I think I, I showed that song to people when I wasn't in my deep Swifty phase. Cause I'm like, this song rocks. Who cares who sang it? Cause it so really good. is just that bitch. I think one of my favorite. Okay. I take that back. My two favorite performances of it were the 2016 Grammys. Hello. That was epic. I love that performance. And then my second favorite performance is at the Grammy Museum in 2015, where she sang Out of the Woods acoustically on piano. There's something about just these pop bangers being done acoustic that drags out the emotion from the song. And you can hear the emotion of the song when she performs it like this. She really loves this one. It's worth noting that once she had 1989 Taylor's version, or even before, but once it was all recorded and she had the masters, she lent it out for a commercial or sold it out for commercial use to a movie called Migration, which is an upcoming animated film. That's important because that trailer with Out of the Woods playing showed before the Eras Tour film. So even though Out of the Woods didn't make it to the Eras Tour, even though I think that it should have, absolutely. Yeah. At least we got to hear that snippet of it before the Eras Tour movie. So she wanted people to hear it. She's really proud of the song. I think it is an amazing song. And I think that the lyrics have double, triple meanings throughout the entire thing. It's just so layered. And the thought that she could make this song in 30 minutes will continue to blow my mind. I just love her. So in talking about the critical reception, people really, really liked this song, which should not be a surprise. Several people said that it was one of the album's highlights, saying it was an authentic tribute to the 1980s and perhaps the most authentic tribute to the 1980s. People loved the storytelling and 
even though it's poppy, it brings in some storytelling aspects that she previously used in country music, which was huge because country music tends to be very detailed, very storytelling, and pop music isn't always. But she was able to combine those two in something that is purely pop. It ended up as number 94 on Pitchfork, who's very critical of Taylor, by the way. Uh, it ended up 94 on Pitchfork's list of the 100 best tracks of 2014. Unfortunately, Rob Sheffield, who we've talked about before, he's a Rolling Stone critic, he was less enthusiastic, and he felt that the production overwhelmed how intricate the lyrics were and thought that it was just too much. Overall, very, very good reception with a couple of nitpicks here and there, which I understand they're valid. Overall, it is that bitch. I said it I said it once, I'll say it again. Yeah, no, I think it's one of the best songs in 1989. And I think it's a shame that it didn't make the Eras tour. I think that it would have had it had its moment in the sun and it would have had its moment in the sun if Kanye West hadn't released Famous. Yeah. Also, I want to take a moment right now to talk about our playlist. A lot of you have been following along with our tailoring homework playlist. Since we don't put the clips into the episode anymore, we don't embed them, you can find our tailoring homework playlist on Spotify. And regrettably, we will put Kanye West songs in there when we reference them. You can skip it. You can mute them as an artist so it doesn't pop up. But for the purposes of education, it will be on the playlist. We do have a lot of listeners that reach out to us that uh, say that they don't really know what happened during then. And I think it's important to hear it firsthand. To hear him sing the lyrics. Yeah. What did you tell learn this week? So, I mean, of course, I generally knew this, I guess, but I never really thought that far into it of when after the bridge, when the chorus picks up again, it's in a male voice. I never analyzed the song before and I never put it together that this could possibly be interpreted as the male perspective in this song. And when I found that out, that was just mind-blowing. And I love Taylor Swift. I love that so much. What did you Taylor? I tailored this connection between Run with Ed Sheeran and Out of the Woods with the chain on your throat piece of paper where I wrote I'll wait for you. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's about Harry Styles or that's even what she's referencing. But as you said earlier, so on the nose, it's sus. Interesting that's, tie there. Anything, it's a parallel that we didn't know before. Even yeah. if the parallel was an accident by the author. What are we talking about next week? Next week, we're not done talking about 1989 or Harry Styles. We are going to come back with the muses from the vault, Harry Styles. We're just going to try to reanalyze their relationship from when we first did it. I think it was like our eighth episode ever. We were very, very new to this. For me personally, I don't know if I speak for Danny as well, but I think it's our weakest muses episode to date. And I don't think we properly did it justice, especially with some new information that we've gotten from the vault from 1989 Taylor's version. So we're going to take a look back on that relationship, dive deeper in places where we feel like deserve it and give commentary given the extra knowledge that we know now. I 100% agree. And as a Harry Styles girly myself, it's devastating that that's our weakest. But of course it is. We were new to it. We were trying to defend our footing, analyzing, and figuring out how to toss that ball between us. It was new. It's a a good episode, but there is so much that we can expand on. So I'm super jazzed to do a The Muses from the Vault Harry Styles. But it's really halfway from the vault and halfway The Muses just again. Yeah. And I feel like there's still so much I'm learning about Harry Styles somehow. 
despite having done an episode already. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope you guys are too. You can always follow us on our Instagrams and our other socials. It's at Taylorning Podcast on Instagram, at Taylorning on Twitter or X or whatever you're calling it these days. <laughs> <laughs> at Taylorning Podcast on TikTok. And if you want to send us an email of, you know, your thoughts and feelings about Out of the Woods or any past episodes or you have episode suggestions for us, you can email us taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, taylearningpodcast.com. There's a contact form if you'd prefer to message us through there. We hope you love listening as much as we love making the episodes. Yeah, and you can check out our Tay Learning homework playlist. It'll be linked in the caption. It'll say click here, click there, and you can get right to our homework so you can listen through all of the songs we reference in the order that we reference them. And for this week and for Tay Learning, my name is Danny. And I'm Olivia. See you next time. My nail broke off already. What the fuck? It's a really old one. It's one of those ones that's just been filled, 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 filled. And hasn't popped yeah. off before, you know? Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. It still sucks. I know. I got them done Thursday. So I just grow them all the way out until they all pop off and then get them done again. I don't think that's economical or probably even good for my nails, but what are you going to do?